Hello and welcome to End Goals, an LCMS Youth Ministry Podcast. I'm host Reverend Mark Kiesland and I'm with DCE Juliana Schultz. We are here to bring parents, church workers, and lay leaders discussions and resources to help your youth ministry meet its end goal, which is young people who are disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Today we're highlighting a youth e-source study focusing on the power of story, particularly the biblical story, with Pastor Ted Daring. Uh, in the thematic paper for 2022's uh, Youth Gathering, if you've read that, maybe it's been a little while since uh, some of you have picked it up, there was some great uh, conversation about narrative in our world and God's narrative in Scripture. And then in the seven practices, we talk about the importance of telling personal stories, especially uh, God's story. So uh, it was really important for us to, to maybe have some studies on the e-source and particularly around our 40 end goals that talk about those things, uh, narrative, God's story, and our story, and how those things play together. Stories are all around us. Uh, Mark, have you ever had a story that was particularly meaningful to you? Well, always, I've been a nonfiction person. And I think probably- This what, is where you and I differ. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. It's probably where what captured me the most growing up, and still does uh, around the story of like explorers. So a little, little known fact. So out of all the years of my life, all but one of my years, I've lived on the Lewis and Clark trail at different parts of it. And so specifically the Lewis and Clark narrative, um, both the legend, but also the truth of it, their journals and everything has probably been that story that has always been one that's uh, been one I've loved to hear and uh, also dive into. How about you? Yeah, for me, I, I mean, there are plenty of, I would say fictional narrative uh, I'm thinking about uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the Narnia series, um, Star Trek, then later in my life, Star Wars, uh, Sherlock Holmes, all of those fictional mm-hmm. things where I really got engrossed in in that storytelling. When we think about sort of uh, personal narratives, uh, one of those people I think about is um, I got to, I was blessed to be able to get to hang out for uh, a few times with my uh, great aunt and uncle who lived into their, like, late 90s early hundreds and the amazing stories that they were tell they had had just like incredibly rich lives and um always were just like oh yeah and then this thing and i was in the guinness book of world records and i flew planes here and like um just uh you know getting to hear stories of of people's lives have been really uh, i think impactful for me absolutely uh, we believe that stories help us to develop an environment of warmth, challenge, and grace. It helps youth to see leaders and peers in an honest light. It also helps us to show how God has been at work in and through good times and bad times. Uh, those are times that are difficult, um, and yet God's grace gives us that strength to move on. Uh, but the most important story we can tell is God's stories as he gives it to us in the Bible, and certainly how we are able to help young people in understanding that story and also bringing it into their everyday lives. So to join us to talk about uh, this study and about narrative and story, we have Pastor Ted Daring. Uh, Ted Daring is a pastor at Narrative Church, an LCMS church plant in Williamson County, Texas, just north of Austin. He's supposed to be married to Chelsea, who works as a hospitality coordinator for the Texas district. Ted enjoys spending his free time with his friends over a good meal, sampling many of the local forms of breakfast tacos and barbecue, hiking in Texas Hill Country, uh, catching a movie, and cheering on all forms of professional Houston sports teams. Thanks for joining us, Pastor Daring. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. And, you know, just just hearing stories and wh- where you guys are coming from, you know, the Lewis and Clark was a big deal. My dad was big into Lewis and Clark growing up. And it's funny because we, you know, going to seminary in St. Louis, spent time, you know, on that end of the Lewis and Clark Trail. <laughs> and then my wife and I, for our five-year um, wedding anniversary, we were out in 
uh, the Pacific Northwest and we were driving. We had visited some friends in Seattle, yeah. driving down to Portland. We're driving along the Columbia River and we pull off for a rest stop. And the rest stop, I kid you not, is called Dismal Little Niche. <laughs> and what it was is it's this niche in the river that in their journals they said, and tonight we spent a night in this dismal little niche. And from there, we're like, well, this is great. And we're playing around on Google Maps going, what are we going to do today? And we find out there is a state park just down the road called Cape Disappointment. Yes. <laughs> so we went from dismal little niche to Cape Disappointment, which is everyone was so disappointed because they realized that, you know, the Columbia River was not this giant, you know, Northwest Passage. And that was at the end so, of the long journey. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or name it things mm-hmm. not That's right. with are not Google <laughs> uh, in mind, right? No, no marketing uh, yeah. degree on that trip, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> but I got to tell you, one of one of our favorite moments of vacation was going – the Dismal Little Lynch was a great little um, spot to eat lunch. And then Cape Disappointment actually is the opposite of its name. It is an incredible, incredible spot to hike. There's a World War II museum there. Like, it was really neat. Awesome. Well, uh, so we got to hear a little bit about you briefly in your intro, but uh, tell us more about your vocations, your roles in youth ministry and other things that bring you joy. Yeah, so um, I have been a pastor now for almost uh, going on nine years now, which seems surreal. And in that time, um, a majority of my time has been spent planting our church, Narrative Church, which is, you know, a very story-based name. And it was fun as, as we were naming a church, you know, because they have that class for you in seminary, naming a church 101. <laughs> um, we're, we, we went through everything. We, we had a whiteboard in our mother church in my office, and we just put things up there. And we ended up getting to narrative, and I kind of put it in front of my launch team, and everyone kind of sat on it. We talked about it. And it was actually um, a guy you all know, Paul Krentz, mm-hmm. who went home and he was just Googling different things. And he found what has become one of my favorite quotes, which is, narrative is the path that leads us through the dark forest of life. Mm-hmm. And that it was this great, like, you know, the stories we tell, the way we do is it's that pathway that takes us through the woods, through the unknown. And so being a pastor of a church where that's kind of been ingrained since the beginning um, mm-hmm. that we want to tell story and be a part of it. That's been just such a huge blessing. Um, other vocations, husband to, to Chelsea has been an, an incredible blessing in my life. Uh, friend, brother, uncle, just having a blast in all those things right now. We're up to um, four nieces in the family. And so we're just going to keep, you know, moving ahead with that theme and, um, what's great is my my brother's daughter, uh, Millie, now lives just right down the road, five minutes from us, and she's one year old, and she's at our church and is just, it's brilliant because um, we have a little, we meet in a, a school cafeteria, middle school cafeteria, and we don't have a cry room, we have a cry like corral. <laughs> so it's, you know, just like kid fencing around a rug. And Millie, that is her second home when she comes to church and just zero fear because um, dad's up playing guitar, leading worship. And so, you know, what's she afraid of in this space? And I'll be preaching. And she has this, she's one year old and has a like evil laugh. 
and she will randomly just at the top of her lungs. <laughs> and like, it's hard to keep preaching when you're just, you just want to die laughing. And it's just so great to have her in there and get to, to be um, a part of that. Part of what I get to do as a church planter is I lead our next gen community group, which is sixth through 12th grade. Cool. And that's been a huge blessing. And, and actually it's, it's really cool. The way we've done it is, um, parents drop the kids off at my place and we have pizza and we'll play different games. And then we will, we'll do a Bible study together. And then the parents are driving over to Paul and Becky Krentz's mm-hmm. house and they have next gen parents at the same time where they have a dinner Bible study prayer together. And so it's really cool that while not everyone's together, everyone is spending time in community around the word at the same time. Um, and that's that's been a huge blast uh, just to see the growth in that. And for a small church, we we had um, four kids, two adults at youth gathering this year, which was fun for us to to have our first go around. And um, Minute Maid Park is kind of a second home to me. I grew up huge Astros fan, so I was just I was so excited. I was like, "This is great. This is you know I I know this place. I know what's around here." And and actually having a lot of fun right now. A World Baseball right. Classic is going on. And so I'm uh, as soon as we're done with this call, I'm, I'm cheering on Jose Altuve and Team Venezuela. So I'll have that on in the background as I keep working. But really just enjoying where the Lord's placed me and the people he's put around me. And um, it's just it's it's not easy, but it's worth it um, to be to be doing all this. That's awesome. Love to hear how you're investing in the lives of young people. And one of the things we love to hear from our guests um, is about maybe something from their junior and senior high year. Maybe uh, can you share about how maybe Jesus used a key moment or moments or people to bring you close to him or to his church? Yeah. It, so growing up in, in my church, um, my dad was the pastor and my parents were always a huge blessing. Um but outside of them was uh, my DCE, John Williams. And John um, was an incredible guy, passed away a couple years ago. Um, but he was so formative. And one of, one of the great things I loved about John was he gave us room to be bad at things, to learn. <laughs> he really gave us a chance to do things poorly and walk alongside of us. Um, and that not only shaped my faith in terms of just like, how do I encounter faith? How do I do spiritual discipline? How do I, you know, do all these things? But it also shaped um, my musical ability, um, you know, how I grew as a person. And, and I think gives a great picture of, of discipleship, of, of the process of God growing us. Whenever we talk about discipleship and sanctification at Narrative, I love showing this um, video clip. And it's a an older gentleman getting on an escalator, and he misses a step and just eats it. I mean, just falls flat. And I'm sure it's very painful, but just eats it on the escalator and is just dragged up with the escalator. And I'm like, that's, that's our life as people following Jesus is like... We just bite it, and the Holy Spirit goes, well, we're going to keep going. And John was one of those key people in my life who who taught that it's not always going to be perfect. And in fact, in, in the midst of failure, in the midst of being bad at things sometimes, God's going to work too. 
move you forward. It's great. Well, I just I love hearing you talk about a little bit how what you're doing with your with your young people in your church. Uh, you just really quickly, uh, what do you love about working with young people and their parents in your congregation and community? The questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as as we look at Christianity in America as a whole, we're really experiencing a lot right now of. <laughs> I think it's it's nothing new, but there's a new term to it of, of deconstruction, you know, especially after over the last two, three years, deconstruction has become the terminology for it. And there's a lot of fear in the church around that term. And and I actually would say I'm I'm not afraid of people deconstructing. I think that's that's actually what that's that's healthy for us. That's us saying like, hey, I am growing in my faith. I gotta pull some of this apart to see how it works. But what we have to do as as leaders in the church is help people reconstruct to say, listen, it's okay to pull things apart and have questions. How can we walk alongside you? And and a lot of times what I've seen is, is as I've read deconstruction stories with people, is they ask these hard questions and they get answers that are almost this weird verbatim to each other. And then it ends with, you just have to trust me. As opposed to, I, I try and tell our like our youth, especially, I'm like, listen, always ask questions. And if I don't know the answer, I'll tell you. And I know the people who do. Mm-hmm. Um, or the people who can help me find it. Like I keep thinking, the, the older I grow in ministry, the more I'm like, listen, in terms of all the things I do as a pastor, one of the things I am is I'm a librarian. Like if I don't know the answer... I know how to go to the right book or the right section to find it. And I think that's, that's been enjoyable. And sometimes it's the, the questions are like, okay, I'll answer this question, you know, and you just kind of go with it, but to give kids the space to ask about things and not just be getting pat answers, because I think we shouldn't be afraid of the questions they're going to ask and and there's this weird makeup in in our faith sometimes that if people are asking questions, then we haven't taught well enough, we haven't done well enough. And I would say it's actually the opposite. If we're teaching, if we're discipling, if we're investing in people, we're helping them get to the questions quicker. Mm-hmm. We're helping them find that path that we were on and we had questions, maybe not the same ones, but I really enjoy watching that happen, both with my students um, and my parents and and hearing both from the Krenzes, the stories they've had of, of working with parents and then some of the parents as we've talked, because the things kids are dealing with today are, you know, I graduated high school in 2009. And even, you know, in those years, it's almost completely different from what I was dealing with. And so I really enjoy watching kids discover that and watching that click when some big gospel moment clicks over for them and they they get to this point of going oh that's what that is Mm -hmm. that's a lot of fun to watch Mm -hmm. uh stories can be such a way especially when we talk about like a historical account of things in scripture and and other again stories that help along that way can be just great ways to answer those questions or to go deeper into those questions or help understand give context to those questions and that story can be such a powerful thing and your study that you did for the youth source study uh really highlights how we as humans are surrounded by stories, ones we tell, ones other tells to us, ones that are out in society. And 
why do you think stories are so important to people, but particular to youth and how are they powerful? Yeah, we're just surrounded by story everywhere. And I love that you guys both start off going, well, I I prefer nonfiction and well, I like fiction. And and it's so funny because we talk about story and a lot of times people get caught up in like, oh, well, I can't do that, you know, the fiction stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, like I I understand that, but just go watch the Olympics. Mm -hmm. Like the Olympics is a bunch of Mm -hmm. sports interspersed between, Mm -hmm. you know, this person, you know, when they were a child, couldn't, you know, whatever. And and you get this whole, they tell you the story of the athlete. They want to connect you. And I think that's what story does is it gives us a connection around something outside of ourselves. And then when we start realizing, oh, story is with us too, it, it becomes a big part of how we interact with the world. And just look at, at what's happened in the past five years in terms of how many streaming services do we have now? Like we're not at the point where it's like cut cable. I'm going to save money. It's like, which streaming service do I want this month so I can watch the show that's on it and then I'll cancel it and switch to the next one so I can watch that show and you know, all those kinds of things. And it is uh, our kids are, are native in it. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're living in this place and it's, it's so funny to hear the stories of telling or or watching, you know, live TV with kids of, of Gen Z and younger, you know, probably not the top end of Gen Z, but towards the bottom of where it's like, Oh, we're not just streaming this. Like this is, hasn't happened yet. You know, that, that process of like, can you just fast forward through the commercials? It's like, yeah, this is live. We can't do that. And that they're native in this immersive storytelling environment Mm -hmm. and to help them see and say like, listen, you have a story to tell as well and that your story is worth telling, I think is, is a huge piece of how we interact with kids because the story that God is working in them is worth sharing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that idea. So much of what they do is storytelling and, and interacting as native storytellers. You think about social media and how much of that is is storytelling for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And you start the study uh, th- focusing on God's st- story in scripture. Um, and I appreciate that you use uh, Genesis to kind of highlight some themes that are a part of this big overarching story in scripture. Uh, what were those themes and, and why are they important for us to understand as we kind of look at God's story in, in his word? Yeah, so... Um, this isn't me. This is something I picked up along the way. Someone on some platform shared it at some point, the idea that story is very simple in its most simple form. It's a character with a passion encounters a problem and makes a decision. And so as you look at the book of Genesis, you go, okay, a character with a passion. Well, the character is God. His passion is creation. I mean, he gets pumped and he just creates. And I, I love that sometimes we can get so caught up in the fights that happen around the creation story that we don't just sit back and like Mm -hmm. rejoice in the fact that God looked at nothing and was like, you know what? Not only am I going to create all this, like I'm going to make dogs too. (laughs) Like, you know, in the midst of it, he's like telling, like creating this whole thing. And 
it is beautiful and it's this deep story and he has this deep care for it, a care that that expands to saying, I'm going to create and part of my creation, I'm going to give that mantle of who I am, that Imago Dei, you know, we get lost sometimes in, oh, the Imago Dei is about how we look, but it's like, no, it's, it's, he gives us his character, his, his creation that, you know, why does the little kid push the fake lawnmower next to dad while he's mowing the lawn? It's because he wants to be like dad. And that's, as he creates, he creates, um, you know, man and woman in, in our image created. And with that, we get this great story where God has this deep passion for his creation. And then in the fall, you encounter the problem. The problem is the creation rebels. The creation decides it knows better than the creator. But within moments of that, God has already made the decision that his passion, his love for creation, and his created beings is so great that we get Genesis 3.15 of, you know, and you shall strike his heel and he will crush your head. That, you know, here's the first messianic promise. And so in this, in the first three chapters of Genesis, we get this microcosm of the biblical narrative. The whole overarching thing is God's deep love for his creation is, is not that, uh, you know, we can get lost in all these things, but it, it really is God's love story of his people. It's that, that Kesed, that Hebrew steadfast love. It, it didn't just appear for God at some point. It's been there the whole time. And so when we can look at this story and go, we can break this down to see that God is, is still telling that story, that his love for the creation of the world and mankind is so deep that one day he is seeking to make it all new again. And that the story of Jesus is his process and it didn't take him you know, it wasn't like he was sitting back going, well, here, you know, he didn't throw it all up on a whiteboard and go, here are my 14 different solutions. And he's, you know, checking them off. No, immediately he goes, this is how we're going to handle this. And so it's this beautiful story of who God is and what he does for his creation. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to that, make that connection between an almighty God, creator God, and then to the individual Christian, the community of Christ that is now being brought together. Um, you get into those next two studies that help young people think through how God is working through them and their story, especially when that story gets tough. And I think that it's a little bit maybe some of that deconstruction thing you're talking about when those maybe questions come up, uh, when maybe some things aren't mm-hmm. connecting the way that they wish they would, or um, just trying to understand a broken world in which they live or the brokenness that's coming into yeah. their life and affecting them. That can bring those questions. And where, again, narrative can be such an important way right. story, can be such a poor way to bring context. Um, how can thinking about God working in their story help teens navigate through those difficult times, especially when they're maybe right in the middle of it? You know, one one thing I feel like I'm learning more and more that I, I think two years ago I would have had a different answer to this question. But as I grow, I think my encouragement would not be God in the middle is so different than God when we get to look back mm. because God in the middle, that's, that's the tough part where you're going to be like, yeah, you might not feel it. You might not sense it. You might not, you know, those things may disappear in the middle. Mm-hmm. But what I keep learning is saying 
that's when God says, listen, I've given you my word. I've given you my promises. I'm here. You may not sense it. And that's what I'm learning more and more is to say in the middle, that's where trust comes in. That's where it comes in to say, that's why I'm investing time in the word. I'm investing time in the body of Christ. I'm investing time in prayer because in the middle, things get fall away when the world is hammering us um, because we're hitting hard questions. You know, life is going wrong. We've lost something or someone we love, you know, whatever that middle place is. That's where I'm learning more and more to say, listen, this is who God is. We learn about who God is because in the middle we say, even if if I can't sense it, he's here. It's, you know, it goes back to um, the men in the fiery furnace when they look at uh, Nebuchadnezzar and they say, our God is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, you know, we will not bow. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that moment to say, God is able to work every miraculous thing, but even if he doesn't, we will trust in him. Because what I keep learning is the the middle is always going to feel like that. Now you can grow to a point where you say, all right, God, you know, I, I, I am, I have learned how I encounter the middle better, but it really isn't until you get out of that spot, out of that hard place and look back and you go, Oh, and here are the 14 different places that now I can see because I've, I'm out of the situation. I can look back and see how good God is. But it feels like every time I'm in a middle, I'm less able to identify what God's doing. And then I get on the other side and I go, no, this is where I was at work. And so it's doing that work of seeing the story as a whole and not just right now. We can get so focused on, I'm hurting now that we forget the story is a journey, not just this moment. And so I think that's, as I've grown, my recommendation would be less about saying, here's how you fix the middle and more about saying God's with you in it. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that means trusting when you don't feel like trusting. Well, and it, it becomes the spot in which it's important to have adults who have had that experience, mm-hmm. who've walked through the middle of a bunch of different things to be able to come back to mm-hmm. youth and help them to see the perspective that says um, you can, that you are in the middle <laughs> to be able to identify yeah. that for them. Right. Yeah. Um, this is, yeah. this is why this feels this way, right? This is why this is the situation you're in. And let me tell you my story of how, I can now look back and see God at work in in all of those ways. Um, And I know we talk about encouraging adult leaders to tell, tell those personal, personal narrative stories. Um, Any kind of maybe encouraging words or boundaries you would put as adults are helping to tell some of their stories um, as a part of the study or just in general. A lot of times we are looking for permission. Like, People sit back and it's an excuse we make. We go, well, I'll wait for someone to tell me I should do this. And so like, stop that, do it. Like people, we've built this persona around. If you're leading people, whether that be youth, whether that be a whole church, whether that be a a small group, whatever it is, 
that we have to follow some exact script, but the the benefit of the body of Christ is saying my story is going to impact different people than you know the way Chelsea's story would impact people, the way y'all's stories would impact people. And instead of trying to say my story has to impact everyone, it's like, no, just share your story and let God do what he's going to do. Like share that process. The the boundary line is like know your audience. And to say there is a place where you are, especially when it comes to youth, you are a leader. They are your students. There is a form of friendship there and relationship, but it is not the way I would, you know, I'm I'm not going to share with my youth the way I share with my brother, the way when I call up my friends to say like, here's what's going on. There's it's it's learning those interpersonal boundaries to say your job is to help them flourish. And if what you are doing is dumping on them like you would a friend, which I think is healthy, you need people you can go to and just, you know, what just throw it up and go, this is what's going on. And this and, and this is how I'm seeing God. Great. But those are not your students like those are not your like you are. That that age gap is is there for a reason, and so if your students are becoming the friends you process that with, that's going to be that's incredibly unhealthy. <laughs> I've watched it happen a couple times, where it's like, don't stop that. But if you can learn to tell your story in a way, especially, I think for youth leaders your historical story. There'll be moments where you share like, yeah, let me share how I had a rough week this week and how God's like, you should do those. But the blessing of saying, yeah, when I was in middle school, I remember feeling this. And here's something that took me 10 years to learn Mm -hmm. that God did this thing in me, you know? And so, and, and that might not, you know, mean a lot to those kids now, but like three, four years down the line, all of a sudden the kid's going to show up and be like, I remember when you told this story and you were just trying to kill time, right? It's like <laughs> parents are coming in five minutes and this kid like this. Okay. Or parents have come and this is the last kid here. And now I'm hearing their whole story. So how do I encourage them? And you share this thing. Like it's amazing what God will do with your story. And you know, I, I go back to, as we tell stories, the central piece being what is God doing in our lives? It's not just like, oh, I went on this incredible thing and you know, but when it's centered on what God is at work doing, that is the way God tells us to fight spiritual warfare. We, we like to build all these things about how we fight spiritual warfare and all these things. But the book of Revelation in chapter 12, talking about the enemy and Verse 11 says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And so it's like, all right, so how do you overcome the enemy? Jesus's work on the cross and sharing what God is doing in your life. And that begins at your salvation to say, here's the base testimony. But what I love about that foundational testimony is it is a foundation. God's like, build up on that. Watch what I do. And so the the blessing of story and sharing it is it encourages the saints 
and it connects disconnected people to Jesus. And as we learn to tell and share our story, and it's easy to say that it's much harder to do, mm-hmm. but it, it, it really is a blessing that God has given us in our active righteousness in that, you know, that righteousness to love our neighbor. It is a blessing for us to share what he's doing. You talk about that blessing, be able to tell that story of Jesus, that foundation, what he's done for us at the cross and the empty tomb and what it means for our life changed everything for us. Uh, what are maybe some roadblocks you see for young people? Um, in the last chapter, you talk about that opportunity, that blessed opportunity to be able to go out and share the story of Jesus. Mm-hmm. What are some roadblocks maybe you see for young people in sharing that story? People have preformed opinions of Jesus and his followers. Mm-hmm. And as we've talked about social media, as we talk about living in a day and age where information is so accessible, it's easy for people to hear the bad things and put that on everyone. So there's automatically a a preconceived notion that you have to overcome. And that's not bad. Well, I don't know if it's good or bad, but it's just it's reality. And so especially for our youth today, like they're just things that are basically accepted that when they walk in to share the love of Jesus, like there's automatically going to be a list of things of like, oh, but do you do these things? Mm-hmm. And so learning to share your story is is going, is, is also learning to understand the places you can. Mm-hmm. That, you know, Luke 10, Jesus sends out 72. And I love... He says, you know, if knock on a door and if a son of peace is there, stay. And if not, leave that house. And I think that's part of what we learn as as we learn to tell our stories. We look for persons of peace to say, do they, are these people open to my story? Because you'll find that as you look, it's like, oh, God already prepared this place. And so that if you share your story and someone comes back at you and they're harsh and angry, whatever, you're not rude to them. You're not mean. You say, okay, this isn't my place. This isn't where I'm supposed to be sharing this story. But it's also discouraging because you you want to share it with your friends. You want to share it with your neighbors. You want to share it with people because of what God's doing. And so that can be disheartening is people already have an idea of who you are, even though, or they think they have an idea of who you are and what you're about, even though they may not know you yet. Yeah. And I think there's, there's, yeah. It's a struggle. It's a struggle, for, not just for teens, but for all of us today in our culture to be able to to find those people who are or people of peace and who, who want to hear the story of Jesus and hear our story. And um, I, I love that you included how we think about that, how we encourage young people to think about um, that, not just to have it for themselves, but to, to share it with the people that they love and their friends. Uh, so much more we could talk about in this study, but it's really fantastic. Uh, how would you encourage youth leaders who are looking to use this study, uh, whether it's this month or in the future? I think it's really good for kids to learn at a young age how to share their story. I think it's it's really an accessible way to teach people um, about it, story. Again, it encourages the followers of Jesus to share what God's doing in your life. And God's going to use it to connect people who are disconnected to him. And so the younger folks can learn how to talk about that, how to share, not as, you know, 
just the understanding and the doctrines of scripture, which are very important, but to take those doctrines and say, those things are alive and well in my life. So I can tell someone about salvation, justification and sanctification and all of those things, but I can tell them how it's working in my life because people are going to see me and see that story that I'm telling where I go. And so if we can get young folks connected to that, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a part of the process. So the younger we can get them um, into the the process of, of seeing the world in that way, it will help as they grow. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us and for, for talking a little bit about a story and young people and, and your study. And we hope and encourage other people to uh, to check it out. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Ted. I think it's really interesting when we look at Gen Z. I think often we think of them as maybe disconnected from face-to-face interactions, but I am always really impressed at like they are incredible storytellers Mm -hmm. Um, and if you go on social media Mm -hmm. so much of what they're doing on social media is telling stories i mean i am on tiktok and most of the things that come up on my feed now i don't know i'm not a typical Mm -hmm. teenager um, are people telling stories they call them story times and and they're telling um interactive stories or or when you're looking at what they're doing on on snapchat or instagram they're they're telling stories and so i think when we talk to them about story and narrative and helping them to understand critically what are the stories that are being told to you what are the stories that you're telling but most importantly what is the story that god tells us and how god's story um impacts our story um i think becomes uh something that they latch onto really quickly and can really help them in sharing their story in a way um, as they're telling it to their friends uh, that points people back to Jesus. And I think that brings up, you know, we saw it in the research we did years ago and just another conversation about, you know, young people, children, whatever, aren't going to know unless they're told, unless someone speaks it to them. So, right. you know, the stories that are happening in the home, whether it's again biblical accounts, whether it's uh, fairy tales, these types of things that talk about life. And then, you know, with the scriptural uh, narrative, obviously, we get to talk about how uh, God has saved us, um, salvation that comes through Christ, um, all those things that, again, as we live as his people, what that looks like may be different from the world. But then also the church, we get an opportunity to tell the story of Jesus, but then also how it's impact our life. And unless young people don't hear uh, don't hear that from us, they're never going to know. And so it's that encouragement to be able to tell those stories through, again, sometimes came through preaching, sometimes through formal Bible study opportunities, but then also just in relationship to be able to get to know that young person, be able to apply faith and life to them. And I love the, the part that he talked about how important that is in those times in the middle of the difficulties right. to have someone with perspective to say, this is, this is what faith is. This is what trust is that even when you don't see it, God is there. God is faithful. And here's a maybe even a straight biblical account, but then also here's a personal story to say, this is how God is faithful and was faithful for me. Um, and how may this be a way to encourage you in your everyday life going through some difficult circumstances. Right. And so important for us to be telling our story, right. Mm-hmm. And God's story um, and what God has done for us to be able to, to give them a picture of what that looks like. Right. I think we mm-hmm. sometimes are like, Oh, you know, this will pass and, and, and uh, it'll all be okay. Mm-hmm. But, but unless they've experienced it, right, right. <laughs> um, that middle can be, can be really scary. I think about, um, is it, I think it's a GK Chesterton quote that says, you know, uh, we, we don't tell fairy tales uh, to, 
to tell kids that there are dragons. They mm-hmm. know there's dragons. Mm-hmm. We tell them stories so that they can know dragons can be slayed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That we we tell them stories because we want them to know what the end is. And uh, particularly with God's story, we know what the end is. We know mm-hmm. Jesus has conquered all. We know God fulfilled his promises to us. Um, and so being able to help tell those stories uh, whether they're, that are going to help young people give that perspective, <laughs> um, but also to be going like, yes, this is where we trust because in the end, we know what is really true. And it helps us pull out to those biblical <clears throat> narratives, those stories. And I love that he jumped into Daniel. I mean, I think that's why that's yeah. so important today for young people, for all of us, um, you know, maybe through the walk of what's going on in our world and society around us, but for all times too, to be able to see that from the perspective of the person in the story um, and how God was faithful and to be able to understand what were the emotions that might be going through the situations, the questions they may have and be able to apply that for us too, to say like God's people have gone through this before and God has always been faithful. Um, and so be able to say like, that is us too. And that is our story. That is God's story. Yeah. So a couple of questions for you to consider. Uh, the first, how are you looking at God's story in scripture and helping young people to see the overarching themes then part of that story? How are you diving into the biblical narrative to be able to apply it to the lives of young people as they face questions, doubts, and concerns? And finally, how are you preparing your young people to tell their story as a way to share the story of Jesus with the people around them? We will continue to keep you in our prayers uh, as you tell your story and as your story gets lived out um, as a youth leader and for your young people as they live out their story as loved children of God. Ungold Podcast is a production of LCMS Youth Ministry and KFUO Radio. To find out more about LCMS Youth Ministry or to find links to resources mentioned, go to kfuo.org slash youth ministry. Thank you for listening and caring for the young people of our church.